Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my latest podcast episode, I break down the gut health revolution that's happening within the CPG intersections of food, beverage, and nutritional supplements. But before we get started, I would love if you took 50 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Even with the gut health revolution in full swing across the CPG industry, most consumers still have a knowledge gap that might end up creating a double-edged sword effect on categorical growth. I recently saw consumer health survey data that the Nutrition Business Journal published, which stated only a quarter of consumers consider themselves knowledgeable about their personal gut and digestive health. My first gut reaction when I was reading that data point, sorry for the pun, was that that percentage of respondents seemed a bit low. The consumer market has come really a long way from the gut health topic, mostly being associated with the consumption of yogurt during the breakfast eating occasion. Gut health has become such a well-known trend within the food, beverage, and nutritional supplement CPG categories bringing with it a ton of new market growth and product development. I'll cover some of that new kind of trendy gut health CPG product and brand development a bit later in this content, but it's natural to assume then that all this like positive market activity also greatly improved consumer education, right? There's little doubt in my mind, at least, that consumers are certainly more aware and educated than ever about gut health. But even I frequently get tripped up with the ever-evolving information and gaps in knowledge that it does create about the topic. I think most consumers, myself included, know that the gut microbiome influences everything from energy level to immunity, that it can be influenced by diet and lifestyle choices, and things like probiotics and fiber can improve gut health. But that would be kind of the proverbial gut microbiome 101 course that's offered at your local community college. Now, if someone was to ask you questions like, do fermented foods compare to probiotic supplements in terms of results? Do normal pesticides found on food matter? And if so, does that mean organic food is better for the gut? What about like plastics that are consumed inadvertently on a regular basis? And then does taking antibiotics or maybe over-the-counter medications create issues inside of our gut microbiota? Would you be able to knowledgeably answer these off the top of your head? I'm okay admitting that I would have trouble doing so. While there has been like some clinical studies that have looked at these questions and really hundreds of other adjacent ones regarding its impact on gut health, I'm far from like the subject matter expert that will get into the science nitty gritty, especially when it seems as though researchers are discovering more about it basically every day. I brought up these challenging questions not to run through the validity of these countless studies, but to basically say there are so much the general consumer market doesn't know yet about gut health. I also think that the consistent newness of information that's coming out and the knowledge gap that it does create forms this kind of like paradoxical 
relationship with the expected massive categorical growth. So on one hand, all of this new information consistently coming out and being disseminated across today's most popular communication mediums garners an elevated amount of attention. That provides a fertile, like curiosity-rich environment for consumers to take additional deeper looks at how small changes in daily nutrition and some of their lifestyle choices can actually make improvements to their gut health. Because most consumers, and talking about even the ones that might not be all that knowledgeable, they are currently and actively trying to optimize their gut health. But why are they doing that? Because poor dietary habits like overindulgence or unhealthy meal timing or maybe the over-reliance on convenience foods, they're causing higher rates of digestive problems, resulting in immediate health problems. This is where I think we're at like right now. On the other hand, growth rates could obviously slow. CBG brands follow like smoke and mirrors type inadequate research on the gut microbiome because it's really hard to keep up with what's being replaced or with what and maybe which is most valid, I guess you could say. With prebiotics, probiotics, maybe fermented foods and other CBG products marketed for a healthy gut microbiome, eventually like ineffective products get sniffed out by the public especially when a lot of the categorical consumption is based around the intent of solving a specific problem. While I think the growing prevalence of gut-related conditions will continue to drive the lion's share of market growth for the immediate future, demand for products that may offer gut health benefits will create long-lasting upside and push the category forward to new heights. Maybe that's the gut-brain connection or the fact that the gut is estimated to house 70% of the body's immune cells, or maybe it's impact on heart health, sleep quality, or skin health. The fact is nearly all of our internal systems are influenced by the gut. It's that interconnectivity which should drive an elevated thirst for knowledge when it comes to the difference between various probiotic strains or how prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotics function differently. To educate and bring more awareness to the subject matter, brands need to think about an integrated approach that meets the consumer where they're at in a way that breaks down scientific findings into easy to understand nuggets of information. CPG brands should also be aware of what leading thought leaders are saying about gut health. You don't have to be maybe 100% aligned with what maybe Andrew Huberman or Dave Asprey or Dr. Gundry or other various kind of experts that have gotten on a massive platform like the Joe Rogan podcast have to say about gut health. But being unaware puts you at a competitive disadvantage because that's also likely where the highest concentration of relevant information is being consumed by your target customers. Someone's point of view on gut health that I have always appreciated learning from is Matt Titlow, CEO of Compound Solutions, which is the supplier of the popular gut health ingredient Corbiome. After one of our recent meetings, I kind of persuaded him into letting me press record so I could capture the insights from a few of like gut health questions that I knew would add some extra depth to this content piece that I was working on. So Matt, I appreciate you joining me and adding some some depth and and I think, you know, an important perspective to the conversation. I kind of want to just kind of ask you, you know, your approach or your perspective on kind of the gut health or the gut wellness and like, you know, how is that unique? And I don't want to say maybe towards the mainstream, but even towards maybe some of the other mm -hmm. thought leaders. So for the last 20 years, 
we've kind of like taken gut and taking like the trillions of bacteria and reduce that to quote good ones, right? It's like, here's acidophilus. And you know, that, that reduction and simplification has been good to a certain extent because, you know, people have, you know, found benefit, but we also don't think that that's actually the, the right approach in, in almost anything like reducing something to so such simple terms. When you look at nature, for example, reducing, you know, some of our vegetables to monocrops, you know, monoculture, you know, corn, soy, et cetera, hasn't served us well. And neither with our gut, reducing it to just acidophilus or a couple other quote, good bacteria as a bifida or something like that is not our approach. We don't believe that the gut is so simple and that of the trillions that that one that we pick is both good for you and I, that we can't know that. And so we believe in helping the gut help itself. And when you talk about that, you and I can both use fiber. Fiber can be a proxy for all kinds of other words, like resistant starches, like polyphenols, things of this sort. So we really believe in helping the gut help itself, which really means, again, fibers, prebiotics, polyphenols, et cetera. And we also believe in short-chain fatty acids because the gut lining is something that you and I both have and we all need to support. So I think we're a little bit unique in saying like, look, we're supplements. We supplement food. What's the food? Vegetables. Why vegetables? Because of fiber and insoluble fiber and things of this sort that you're getting that is stimulating short-chain fatty acids like butyrate that's helping your, your gut lining. We want to add to that through our own core biome, our own short-chain fatty acid, as well as resistant starches and other, other fibers. So I think it's maybe unique. You, know, you tell me. No, I definitely think it is. I mean, I, I think that, that just thinking about, like you said, from the, the past um, and then you know, maybe people know this, maybe people don't know this, is that, you know, the quality of the food over time is is kind of maybe lessened. Um, I think from a pure industrial kind of, you know, way that we've, we, you know, scale and, and growth and, and feeding more people. Unfortunately, I think some negative aspects of that um, happen and you have to, you know, account for that. And then you have to look at this and, and say, as a, you know, like you said, as a supplement, what can we do to ultimately help the situation and, and with consumers looking at you know, gut health or gut wellness and, and how that impacts honestly probably everything and you know I think we're still probably trying to understand all of what it it impacts or how it impacts it but we probably could start with what it doesn't impact over what it does impact it's probably easier to list what it what it doesn't impact that's exactly I think we tried to reduce you know brain health to the brain and reduce skin health to the skin and reduce gut health to the gut. But the fact is, is that, you know, this word holistic, we just kind of give it a funny sort of passing judgment on, but we don't actually implement it. Like integrative medicine, you know, is just kind of uh, still on the periphery. And you have people like, you know, Mark Hyman and, and uh, you know, Perlmutter and Atia and, you know, all these guys, you know, they're always talking about even Gundry, you know, talking about like gut health and how it's all integrated, but it's still on the, on the periphery in which we don't kind of think about how they all kind of connect. In our industry, we talk about it all the time, but the analogy is so obvious and so there, like in, for example, in nature, 
where you don't have like industrial, like let's say wood production, like tree production, in which let's say an oak competes with a pine. We all know that they are now symbiotic. Right? Like you don't want monocultural pine to grow pine. We don't want monocultural acidophilus in our gut. And we can't help to replicate trillions of bacteria. So don't help the gut help itself. Vegetables, resistant starches, polyphenols, and short chain fatty acids like corbiome. Anyway, that, that's how we view it. Like if you're a probiotic company, think of your hammer, everything's a nail, right? If you're a yeah. probiotic company, everything's a probiotic opportunity. One thing that I do like from the probiotic industry is some of their antimicrobial sort of stuff they've got going on. Because we don't, in our opinion, have a good bacteria problem. Like you and I are walking around like, damn, you know, I'd like to have, or dang, you know, I'd like to have some like acidophilus today, you know? But you probably have some maybe E. coli or H. pylori or something like that that might be multiplying at a rate that you probably anathema to good health. So what do you do? Well, there's some cool antimicrobial uh, probiotics out there that are really cool and I'm, I'm into. And then you plug the gut you know, from those leaks from that inflammation with bioavailable butyrate, like our core biome, for example. So I do like these kind of one-two punches out there. So I'm definitely not against the probiotic industry. I'm more pro-vegetable and help the gut help itself. I guess the transition is a little bit around, you know, where you think, I know the all-encompassing kind of word of, of gut health and the CPG industry, when we're talking about, you know, food, beverage, probably supplements, like where do you see those things intersecting in the, you know, even in the near-term future? I mean, if you want to go out a little bit further towards um, some futuristic kind of predictions, that's okay as well. But like, where do you yeah. see those things kind of crossing? Is it going to be, you know, some, I guess, multifaceted, um, I want to say formulations or, or ingredient decks, or is this something where it's going to have more of the spotlight put on it i mean are consumers yeah. going to understand gut health from a more co complex perspective or is it just going to be a buzzword that they're going to know that they need to focus on yeah i don't think it's definitely going to be a, <clears throat> a buzzword you know when something is so profound eventually it works its way into the water right into the into the air and it just becomes it right gut health won't trend like acv gummies you know what i mean yeah uh so in terms of uh, the CPG industry, yeah, I think you could do everything from like re-messaging the same thing. Like you don't do anything, just words matter. So let's just take coffee, right? We've reduced coffee to caffeine, but what's in coffee? The bean, like the, yeah. Yeah, that there's other stuff in there. That's good. Those are polyphenols. Those help with the gut, right? Green tea. We've kind of like reduced that to caffeine as well. Yeah. But there are all these polyphenols in there. Again, polyphenols are good for the gut. So you have people, there's a, you know, a particular company in Europe that I like that has a polyphenol blend or mixture for the gut. You just message coffee from as gut coffee if you're Starbucks. Same darn thing, just words matter, right? So one option is doing nothing, but messaging it differently. You know, we have an ingredient coming out here shortly that will kind of hopefully like reimagine the whole like Olipop industry the whole like liquid, like carbonated waters, like Perrier's liquids, and then also even the kombucha industry, you know, something that actually works more functional, prebiotic, and tastes amazing. So that's another like huge, giant 
CPG beverage category that I think is ripe for disruption that we want to be front and center in. How I think about, I guess, sometimes it's a vague or ambiguous word of like functional CPG. I always think about, you know, the, you put this functional term terminology that you're, you're, you know, it's different than conventional, but the person that would ultimately be the best target consumer is somebody that's buying a conventional product, but they have different purchase criteria, be that taste or mouthfeel or, or things like that. And they might not necessarily think about the functionality ahead of those purchase criteria. So to solve or to have the biggest buy-in from those consumers, right. you still have to make sure that it's within a natural consumption behavior or category they're used to consuming. And then mm -hmm. does it not override some of those other things? Because the the best ingredient in the world, you know, the one that is going to solve all the problems in the world, if it ends up ruining the taste of something, um, odds are it's going to be regulated to a niche because unfortunately people are just not going to consume it, even if they know it's the, you know, they need it. it you know, it's just how it is. I mean, that's why, yeah. you know, some of the supplement industry, some of those ingredients or some of those um, categories, they could probably do a lot of good um, if they had, you know, less bitterness or they had, you know, something where it became a format that was a lot more uh, relatable to the, you know, I would say Sally from Iowa, like that drinks um, Coke and she eats McDonald's. Like you can't take where she's at there, which is maybe A, and take her to Z. Like there yeah. has to be something in between there that makes more sense yeah. to her. Because even if she yeah. knows Z is the where I need to be and this is where I'm going to be the most healthy, she's right. not going to get there. Right, right. No, I totally agree. It's like functionalization without the functional taste. Yeah, just exactly. Taste, taste, taste. Those are three main priorities. So there's obviously a lot going on in the gut health space, and I'm going to be kind of talking about this trend, I know, for many years to come. But for this final part of the content, I want to cover some trending intersections of gut health and ingestible CPG categories. Let's start within the supplement industry because probiotics have been a sizable category for some time. That being said, the gut health supplements category has evolved greatly over the last handful of years as probiotics focused on pure digestive health have experienced like flattish growth. While consumer awareness around the term symbiotics is still super light, I think the holistic approach to gut health is super appealing, especially to the convenience generation, aka millennials. With a product like Symbiotic Plus from Ritual, I think it's a compelling value proposition that you get a three-in-one of prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotic. Additionally, and I know I mentioned him briefly earlier, but someone like Dr. Gundry has built a massively successful multi-hundred million dollar brand off the back of various integrated gut health supplements that focus on both gut-related conditions and gut health benefits. Shifting into something like fermented foods and beverages, you can't talk about gut health CPG and not acknowledge the over 100 years of Bragg and their famous apple cider vinegar. Sticking with fermented beverages, the kombucha category has had double-digit sales growth consistently over the last few years from at least the various scan data reports that I've had the privilege of looking at. A kombucha brand that I've always enjoyed following over the years is HealthAid. They've also started dabbling in more of like these nutraceutical ingredients through their glow line, which I think adds a cool multifunctional gut health benefit approach. 
Now shifting to the food side of fermentation, I can't not mention Cleveland Kitchen being a Northeast Ohioan guy myself. That brand is killing it with a range of products in traditional fermented food categories like kraut and kimchi, but also making it approachable with fermented dressings and pickles. On the sweeter side of gut health friendly foods, I think it's important that I focus on the packaged snack items because it is our over-reliance on convenience that is playing a major role in today's digestive health issues. Attacking it from the probiotic side, you have a brand like Belly Welly. On the prebiotic fiber side, you have a favorite of mine, Uplift Food, that has the backing of snacking giant Mondelez International. Finally, I couldn't miss the opportunity to talk about the gut healthy soda movement. Even though saying soda and not pop feels weird to me, it's whatever because they are attempting to disrupt the $40 billion massive carbonated soft drink category that's dominated by Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper. While they are still in the early stage of rewriting the soda story, the two leading brands would be the market leader Olipop and then also Poppy. And I just want to end on some quick final thoughts. Knowledge about the relationship between the gut microbiome and overall health is moving at an extremely kind of rapid clip. An obvious gut reaction, sorry, another pun to that is that today's consumers are looking for more foods, beverages, and supplements that do support gut health. It seems extremely obvious to me that there will be this kind of sort of like flywheel effect in the coming years and decades with new gut health research emerging, which drives additional consumer demand that feeds into categorical innovation and product development. Now that increases market size and market size really increases the ability to do more additional research. And then we start back up again and it gets bigger and bigger. We are really in the early stages of a gut health revolution. Is your CPG brand ready to take advantage of it? I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 